Portions of this show have been pre-recorded. Uh, yeah. It's a podcast rebroadcast. All of it is pre-recorded. You big dummy. Stand by to receive our transmission. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Well, another Saturday is here. It's BK on the air on AM 1450 and 100.3 FM WBHF. You can stream it online at WBHFradio.org or download the free TuneIn or Radio Garden app. If you happen to be not near the uh, vicinity of our broadcast area, you can always tune us in on those apps, by the way, or stream on your laptop on the website or on your mobile device. Whatever you happen to have to listen to, you can you can hear us. I'm uh, dispensing nostalgic geekiness talk every day. I had a lot to talk, lot to talk about today, including one of which is. Uh, I'm glad some of these shows are premiering now, where I can actually t- talk about them because some some of the shows that are that were streaming and were coming were coming out either on Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever they'd come out and they wouldn't come out until Friday, like late Friday night or Friday. And, and there was I was in a position just a scant few a couple of months ago where I couldn't watch things you know late friday because i was doing something all day on friday i couldn't stream it i wasn't in a position when i'm doing something productive during the day on a friday i couldn't just watch a show because i had to concentrate on what i was doing for someone and i had to hit the hit the sack friday night so i could be here saturday morning to show up and flip this switch and be on the air with uh mr alan sandstorm sanders over there <laughs> hey which is uh which is grind but now some shows are coming out on wednesdays and thursdays right. or during the week and i'll be able to see them side note to that thought I don't understand the people who will put on a show that they've never seen because they can work from home and they're trying to work. And when I watch something, especially for the first time, now if it's a movie I've seen a hundred times, it yeah. can be on in the background. Right, that's different. But I'm, I'm like you. If I'm going to watch something for the first time, I don't want to be distracted. Oh, what you're trying to say is you have to watch it. Is that what you're saying? I'm yeah, interested in actually, do, yeah. not just to see it. I'm interested in paying attention. <laughs> for the first like, time, I want to. Yes. With all my senses, by the way, <laughs> my yeah, eyes, right, my yeah. ears, my feelings, I want to be able to, like, what's happening? What's going to go next? Oh, yeah. I want to be engaged mentally. I am literally, it drives my wife nuts. It drives her nuts because as things happen, I'll be like, okay, no, no, that that should not go that right. way. or Because well, I'm so you do, focused. You do a lot of other things that drive her nuts, too. I know that, too. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, that uh, list is long. But I can't, but I can't, I can't. Now, I could put on a movie in the background, like maybe, let's say, oh, something happens, happens to be on. Uh, we're, we're streaming through the grid on Roku on our Sling TV, and all of a sudden, I see that you know, maybe Jaws is on, or, or or Star Wars, or something like that. Well, I've seen those movies. You know, I could I could rewrite the screenplay for them just from memory, right? You know, uh, on those films because I know them. Having that on the background is something different than watching something for the first time. Like you wouldn't be able to watch. You would want to watch the. You wouldn't have, want to have on the first installment of Moon Knight while you're cleaning up the house and running around the house no. doing stuff because no. you're not going to be able to pay attention to hey, that Hey, just turn it up louder. I'll hear it in the other room. Like, no! <laughs> on top of that, Moon Knight, the first episode, is something you really have to watch. You need to watch these shows because they're getting to where there's a lot of details and a lot of small things that are in there that you need to watch uh, and, and really check out and play, pay close attention to so you'll get what's going on. I'm wondering, is that is that what happened with WandaVision and some of the other shows? Did some of these people just kind of just halfway watch them, I guess, because they didn't like them and didn't understand what was going on. I'm had like, to be watch because the show. You I told to you this. It. My daughter came over and we. I rewatched five episodes in a row with her. She got hooked after the first. You mean one. of Wandavision? Wandavision. Yeah, yeah, the first show. And yeah. when I rewatched it, I was like, "This is even better." Yeah. Rewatching. Yeah. 
it's still one of my it's definitely one of my top it favorites of the small screen. There. Well, I can talk about it a little bit today some at some point if I remember to bring it back up. But I did watch Moon Knight. I watched Moon Knight uh, uh what was it Wednesday night? Yeah, it, whatever it, night it, it the premiered, 30th. we watched it. Yeah, well, it premiered that morning so at three a.m. But I couldn't watch it right. then. I could wait till the next day, technically, to watch it that night. So I did watch Moon Knight. Uh, I'll just tell you right off the top of that, I liked it. I thought it was really well done. It was over. It was so. There's so many details that you really have to watch it, but it was really out there. It was it was bizarre, but it was bizarre and great all at the same time. It was just one of those great uh unfolding things where you're like what is this oh wow look at what whoa what's that all? oh what's going on there oh that's great oh it was it was a lot of oohs and ahs mm-hmm. <laughs> while we were watching it it's very well done too. well i like oscar isaac i think he's a pretty good actor and um and this is a completely different direction for him we joked earlier about how uh, we were talking earlier off the air about how you did not know that Charlie Cox's Daredevil was British, mm-hmm. the actor. Now I do remember Os- Oscar Isaac's being he's from, he's British too, but I keep forgetting that because all through Star Wars and everything that he's usually in, he usually speaks with a, just a no American accent or whatever. And I was used to hearing him that way. The minute he opens his mouth in Moon Knight, because he plays a guy who's a, a he works at a gift shop at a at a at a Egyptian museum in London, just a, just a kind of a, a nobody guy that works there. Mm-hmm. When he opens his mouth, he really starts talking like this. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, that's right. That's kind of, I guess, the way he talks. I forgot. I, I had read so. an article, though, that he he created this accent to well, kind of go with the character. British, though. Yeah, it is British. But because they said, for him to do that. He, looking back, they go, why'd you do that? He goes, it just felt right for the character. And they let him do it. That's great. Yeah, that's a sign of some creative people coming together. But it's the latest Marvel streaming show. And like I said before, I it's so fun being a, a lover of that type of entertainment, comic books, which I was from the first Spider-Man yeah. comic book I ever bought in 1974. I didn't want to correct, hooked. but I think he's a Spanish accent. He's from Guatemala. Oh, is he? Okay, yeah. well, but, but some, maybe, so, maybe what the things I saw him in, he, he had a British because accent when he speaks. That, that was the thing I remember reading, is that he, he adapted a pseudo- Almost like maybe he was raised in England, but was trying to not okay, sound. That's you know, how sometimes was. you meet somebody who's come to America, but they still have just a hint of I always mispronouncing. Thought he was, I always thought he was but, Israeli. I didn't no, he know. was from Guatemala. Wow, okay. I thought it was fun that when he was in, uh, when he was was it the um, the fa- the Force Awakens mm-hmm. that he spoke with J.J. Abrams. I'd read a story about how his dad was so happy that he was in a Star Wars movie, and J.J. kind of just set up something with him saying, well, "Let's find something for your dad to do in the movie." And he's in there somewhere, and I thought that was great. Oh, that's cool. For them to get together to do that's that. That's cool. that's what happened if I read that right. But, uh, yes, Moon Knight, I, I'm all in. I'm ready to watch it. Uh, everything else on the horizons is coming. We, we talked about it last episode quite extensively with the new movies that are about to come out. We also talked about the uh, Mulder movies with Flashback Cinema and, and mm-hmm. Fathom Events that you can see coming out, too, by the way. I missed Blade Runner. I didn't get to go see Blade Runner in the theater. I wish I could have seen the final cut mm-hmm. on the big screen because it would it would have been the, the remastered version of that. And and uh, I have never seen Blade Runner in a theater. Mm. So, If I can, just for a quick second, since Oscar Isaac is in it as well, the only positive of the Oscars, but I didn't watch any. Obviously, there's a lot going on with the Oscars this past Sunday. A little bit, yeah. The most awarded film was Dune. Yeah, that's right. I saw that. And Oscar Isaac is in that as well, playing the House Atreides, the leader of House Atreides uh, in Dune Part 1. And he does a great job with that character. a few stars in Dune, weren't there? Yes. (laughs) That were well known. But but as always, here's a director 
who puts all of these wonderful pieces together, gets the most number of awards, but yeah. not recognized as best director. Yeah, that happens a lot, though. You notice that happens? Did you know who else that won an Academy Award that I was happy to see that he won one? I was up Kenneth Branagh won. For, yeah, for one of the, for uh, I can't remember the name of the movie, but it's the one he was. Yeah, I think he did oh, it. oh, the one about uh, Belfast. Yeah, Belfast. That was the name of the movie. He won. I don't know how many it won, but I know that he won one for something for that. So I'm always glad that he when he gets recognized because he's a great, talented guy. Speak down there, Golden Razor TV. When we come back, we will return after these messages. Your audience is ready, so put on your dancing shoes. someone far away give them a call simon sets the pace you follow right along light the lights that simon lights or he'll tell you that you're wrong simon's a computer simon has a brain to either do what simon says or else go down the drain simon is a master he tells you what to do but you can master simon if you follow every clue and if you think simon's fun of the party wait till you play it alone simon with five ways to play from mb electronics sorry miss i was giving myself an oil job fellow classic TV fans, do you know the wonderful thing about Tiggers? Is Tiggers are wonderful things, as is the immense talent of legendary voice actor Jim Cummings. Simply name a blockbuster animated film, and it's most likely Jim had a part in it. Having logged hundreds of roles and still counting, Warner Brothers, DreamWorks, Nickelodeon, and more have all capitalized on Jim's incredibly diverse voice acting skills. He began his career on television in 1985 with the company that his work is likely most known for, playing Lionel on the Disney Channel program Dumbo's Circus. Further establishing his relationship with Disney, in 1988, Cummings replaced Hal Smith, a.k.a. Otis Campbell, from Andy Griffith to become the voice of Winnie the Pooh. By the year 2000, with the release of the Tigger movie, Jim had also replaced Paul Winchell as the voice of Tigger. In 1991, Cummings took on yet another Disney role as one of his personal favorites, Darkwing Duck. He earned five Daytime Emmy nominations and took home an Annie Award for his performance. Jim also earned Emmy nods for his roles in Star Wars The Clone Wars and My Friends Tigger and Pooh. In 2018, he reprised these two beloved characters on the big screen in Christopher Robin. Cummings was hailed by the chief film critic of Vanity Fair who called his Winnie the Pooh performance Oscar-worthy. The fact is, if it's a popular animated feature for the big screen, the small screen, video games, or any other sort of multimedia you can think of, you'll likely find his name in the credits. In 2020, I had the distinct honor to help induct the deserving Jim Cummings at the VoiceOver Actors Hall of Fame induction ceremony. This is Pat McCormick with your retro TV trivia from the Golden Rage of TV. You can also find me on YouTube and Facebook at Golden Rage of TV and on Twitter at Golden Rage of TV One. And now back to BK on the air. 
Thank you, Pat, for that trip into the golden rage of TV. We always appreciate it every Saturday morning here with BK on the air. Check out Pat's YouTube channel, Facebook, all of his social media sites out there. Just look up Golden Rage of TV, or I think it's Golden Rage of TV 1 on uh, on YouTube. And he's starting to do some live videos, so always try to check it out and uh, interact with him because he always checks his live chat out when he's on, the, uh, on YouTube doing that. Let's continue the talk about movies and stuff and streaming shows and all the entertainment we like to talk about. I don't know if Alan's heard about this, but the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi has been uh, pushed back. His release date has been pushed back. I don't know why they changed the release date. I think it was a couple of days uh, from its original release date. They'll just have to wait. You'll just have to wait a hair longer for Obi-Wan Kenobi. And a pre-recorded message posted on Twitter, Ewan McGregor, who returns to play in Exile Jedi Knight Obi-Wan, announced the series has officially shifted its original Disney Plus premiere date from Wednesday, May 25th to Friday, May 27th. Don't have any idea if we get into the article here maybe we'll find out why but that's that's weird because may 25th is that special star right. wars premiere day of, of the movie star the wars original. which also happens to be my wedding anniversary too i didn't plan it that way but yeah i did rocky remember it better it's going to be two days later uh, here's the good news though there's a flip side to that lucasfilm does plan to debut two count them two episodes friday instead of just the one they were going to do that wednesday so you get a bonus for having to wait. That's not bad. McGregor also took the time to thank audiences for their incredible support and response to the show, and it hasn't even been released yet. Well, that's what we do with Marvel and Star Wars shows. We, we were hyped about them before they come out because we think they're probably going to be really good. Disney Plus adopted Wednesday premieres last summer in the run-up to Marvel Studios' Loki. While the streaming platform didn't give a specific reason for the change, the decision most likely stemmed from a desire to avoid conflicts with the corporation's feature films, which, like every other blockbuster on the planet, are usually released on Fridays. It's also worth noting that May 27th release also pits the premiere Obi-Wan directly against the new season Netflix Stranger Things, which drops the same day, and I didn't know that either. So why did seems like they would leave it on the 25th instead of changing it to the 27th? And I'm is, am I missing something here? Yeah, I'm. I don't that see how at least whoever sense. wrote this article doesn't seem yeah, like it's a that logical seems reason. Like that's out of order. It's set a decade after events of Revenge of the Sith. The highly anticipated series, as we know, picks up on Tatooine, where Obi Wan has been watching over and protecting a young Luke Skywalker, played by Grant Freeleaf. We found out. From afar, the quiet life of shameful exile suddenly gets a bit more exciting by the arrival of the Inquisitors. They are Force-sensitive operatives tasked by the Empire with hunting down the last remaining Jedi hiding throughout the galaxy. Now, pulling the sinister strings is none other than Obi-Wan's former apprentice, Anakin Skywalker, now unrecognizable as the terrifying Sith Lord known as Darth Vader. McGregor's fellow prequel alum, Hayden Christensen, steps back into the sleek black boots of Emperor Palpatine's second-in-command, though it's unclear how much of the actor we'll actually get to see under the iconic cape and helmet. I heard, I've heard like three people are playing Vader, depending on what they need for the role. So, uh, quote, It was amazing, Christensen uh, told Entertainment Weekly. It's a great honor to get to put that suit on. He later continued, It was mostly a lot of excitement because I had spent enough time with his character and felt like I knew him and coming back to it felt very natural in a lot of ways and I was just really excited to get to come in and play Darth Vader at this point in, in the timeline because it didn't feel like a natural continuation of your journey with the character and that was very meaningful for me unquote he said so I thought that was very interesting that Hayden Christensen I mean if they're, if they're going to bring him back they're obviously going to have to show his face for some reason because right. he's the one that otherwise him, so. you could put anybody in there can, now hopefully we'll get to our first look at good old Darth Vader in action when the first two episodes release on Friday May the 27th on Disney Plus Mandalorian vet 
director Deborah Cho. Uh, she directs all the episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So got one director doing the whole darn thing, which well, makes it consistent, I guess, would be good. And she's a good director, too. I think she's a very good director. And be, like, well, you and I have commented, it'll be interesting to see how Hayden Christensen comes across under somebody else's yes. direction. It'll be uh, interesting to see how Ewan McGregor will come across, because he came across pretty good with the lack of direction He did before. very well with <laughs> so, no director. So I'm thinking <laughs> he, this time around he may be even even better. And can I give kudos to a director on uh, the Book of Boba Fett? The episode, uh, I can't remember the name of the episode, but it was when uh, Mandalorian was going aboard that city in space that was in the mm-hmm. big circle to retrieve the dark saber Wasn't or whatever. Wasn't that... Uh, that was Bryce Dallas Bryce, Bryce, Bryce Howard. Howard that directed that. That was an incredibly wonderfully put together episode. I told my wife, I I said, because she hasn't watched Book of Boba Fett yet. I said the one episode of Mandalorian that I thought was the weakest was Bryce Dallas Howard. Right, and I think it was due to story. The direction of it was fine, but I think the story was kind of weak on that. I just think she learned a whole lot. She probably did. She probably did. And I think because I had no idea because it was so well directed, it was so well paced. That probably that still was one of my favorite episodes. Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, was really good. Um, And when I saw her name, I was like, oh my god! And and I literally said, she got (laughs) better. She got she better. She did. She did. And I and I was watching. Uh, I think it was FX or someone. Who who had them on? Somebody was running the um, the original Tobey Maguire uh, Spider Man movies the other day. I think it might have been FX or one of the one of the, one of the streaming channels. Mm-hmm. And I happened upon and was watching. Uh, you know, it was one of those days where I'm like, oh wow, they're on. It looks like I'm going to watch them all because they have commercials and I can take breaks and go do things or pause them. <laughs> it took about six hours of my time, but it was between doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, it's one of those movies that I've seen. Right. And commercial breaks, I can stop. I don't have to pay close attention. Right. But Spider-Man 3 came on, the one with Venom and Sandman. And I'd forgotten that Bryce Dallas Powers plays uh, Gwen Stacy in that one. I'd forgotten about that. She's actually in Spider-Man 3 as the blonde mm-hmm. that uh, Peter has, shares uh, college classes with or something. Yeah. So, yeah. And then doesn't see, why is it a problem? I recreated our famous kiss, Mary Jane. What's the big deal? I don't know why you're angry. <laughs> yeah, Mary Jane Idiot. didn't really like that very When much. I rewatched <laughs> it, I was like, Peter, what are you doing? Well, he's Spider-Man. He's not really Peter Parker at that point. I get you're totally like you're into the role and you're just <laughs> but that's such a guy way of thinking like babe what I was just doing it for fun it was just for camera you'd, you'd do it and then it's like <laughs> you'd be guilty you could you would do that if you're a superhero you'd probably do it too so would I I'd still get in trouble I, I'm not saying we wouldn't get in trouble I'm just saying we'd still probably do that it's terrible uh, all that giddiness goes to your head I'm a superhero I'm invincible I I'm so glad I rewatched the original Sam Raimi ones because even the third one that ha- I had kind of had issues with didn't seem as bad when I rewatched it. I never I thought felt the third one was better when I saw about it in the theater. I know people have a problem with that one. And then it was like, well, he's dancing around and being stupid. I'm like, no, he's being Peter Parker, being influenced by the Venom alien symbiote, making him have no inhibitions and in doing what he wants. Right. It kind of like turns you into a well, kind of turns you into Mr. Hyde, Dr. Jekyll. There was thing. just a little bit of the the, the 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 dance moves that he pulls. It's almost like the mask where it's like, don't don't turn him into a cartoon. <laughs> I get he's doing things that are a little yeah. outlandish, but, I mean, he's sliding across. and I'm like, oh, come on, But I, st- I still but, thought all three of those Spider-Man films were better than the two Andrew Garfield ran. Yes. I still liked them better. Now, yes. I do have a more... I have a, an appreciation of Andrew Garfield now after I've, number one, seen him in other films where he's really good in them, mm-hmm. especially the one that came out that Clint Eastwood directed where he's the he's the conscientious objector. Oh, I thought it was Mel Gibson directed. That was, was Mel, Mel Gibson, Gibson directed, yeah. Oh, I that thought was that was... That was a Heartbreak Ridge? Heart, or, no, 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 it was... Um, not Heartbreak Ridge. Uh, you know the one I'm talking about. Though. Yeah, where he goes and he pulls the the men down and rescues. Called? Yeah, I, I it's, thought he uh, was really good in, in that. Oh, my gosh. What is what the name of that? Something Bridge. Something Bridge. Yeah, what was it something called? 
Well, some people know it's out there, and they're yelling at us right Ridge. now. Ridge. What's Heartbreak Ridge, that was Clint Eastwood. Right. That's different. That's uh, what he's the Marine. He went to Hackshaw Ridge. That's it. Hacksaw From 2016. Ridge. Yeah, Mel Gibson directed it. You're right. Uh, but I thought he was great in that. That is an amazing uh, movie. He's great in uh, Spider-Man Far From Home as that Peter Parker feeling the pain that he was unable to save his uh, his MJ, or mm-hmm. uh, Gwen. He remember saying Gwen Stacy in his in his universe. When he saves Peter's MJ, right. he flashed back. And his, you could tell the pain, all the things, and especially the one scene in that one where he was like... Um, you know, I, I, when he sees uh, when he sees Tom Holland Spider Man going down that dark revenge road because mm-hmm. of what happened to Aunt May, he's like, you know, you know, don't do it. He goes, I, 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 I stopped pulling my punches in my universe, and it sounds like he's turned into something a Spider Man in his universe. It was bad, and I thought that was very well done. He's a good actor. Yeah, I was really like that. But I love seeing all three of them together. <laughs> it was really great, though. I, I, it's so funny. My daughter and I we were we were uh, at a, a play last night. Went to the Shakespeare Tavern. Saw much ado about nothing. Yeah. And we were walking out, we were talking about different actors and stuff, and we came on to Spider-Man, and I said, I think that No Way Home has been my favorite Spider-Man movie now. It's really good. I mean, it's, it it's like... It is so good. It's certainly my favorite out of the three from the MCU, the current uh, part of it. But them. here's I the crazy it. thing. You still have to have seen all the other Spider-Mans yeah, to do. appreciate why that is so good. All of the others. Yeah. You really need to have to watch all the others. And usually if they're fans of those movies, they have seen them all already. It's BK on the Air. We'll flash the audience in the news of the Weird the Strange when we come back. And now, these messages. No little cinnamon gum freshens breath longer than Big Red. So kiss a little longer. Stay close a little longer. Hold tight a little longer. Longer with Big Red. Okay, Danny, you get the stick, you get your Alpo. That's a pretty good deal. Danny's a 14-year-old Alpo dog. That's like 98 to you and me. Oh, yeah, you're beautiful. You know, Alpo's helped keep him healthy and happy for 14 years. Meat is a dog's natural food. And Alpo Beef Chunks Dinner has lots of meat. Alpo's all a dog ever needs to eat. Maybe Danny's been around so long because uh, Alpo's been around so long. Huh? What do you say, Danny? Oh, yeah, you're beautiful. Oh, boy, how I love coming in here every Saturday and getting on the air and just yakking and yakking and yakking (laughs) about all the stuff that I have a passion of, what I hold dear. And uh, having a good time with this uh, with this goofball sitting across the way with me here you. in the studio. It's I know so you mean fun. that in the so best of ways. You know exactly that's what I mean because we've been doing it for how long now? How long a while, yeah, at least seven years. Radio station, yeah. Because we're coming up on the seventh. Is it the seventh Halloween spooktacular I guess it's this year? Seventh annual Halloween thing this year will will happen. Yeah, that's going to be. A, I can't believe that it's been that many or is it times we've been doing that. Now I can't even. So it's been so many. Let's listen to the recording of the last <laughs> spot. And I we'll, gotta go listen to the we'll last. Hear what spot. we said. It's the blank. I think this is the seventh one coming up. That's all. That's just amazing. Time does indeed. Wor- Our move tie-in at needs speed. to be to the movie Seven then. Well, I, I kind of put a, a promo together for that, and it's it's it it didn't have to do with that, but I think it's still just as funny. The the promo I have in mind this time is about growing old, something that we're very familiar hey. with. But the, but the spot isn't about us growing old. 
I'll say that. Okay. So, but it's pretty funny. I'll, I'll I'll probably be able to show you guys that not too long from now. But yeah, we do a Halloween spectacular show every Halloween, no matter what date Halloween falls on. You can tune in here at WBHF and, and hear it live, or we do. Uh, Alan and I both do uh, find a way to make it available as a podcast that you can hear elsewhere <laughs> if you want to hear it after the fact or if you miss it. It's a wonderful, spooky, and fun time. Well, let's uh, talk about weird and spooky and scary. It's time that we flash the audience of the new, the weird, the strange, and the bizarre. And these get pretty pretty spooky and goofy and weird sometimes. But uh, I have the first news. This one will warm the cockles of your heart. Oh, I, I love, you, I love you, good, warm cockles. Okay, you, from UPI. A Kentucky hotel is offering houseplant-loving tourists the chance to bring them along to the world's first plant-friendly hotel experience. Visit Lex. The Convention and Visitors Bureau of Lexington teamed up with Elwood Hotel and Suites to offer a special set of amenities to guests traveling with their house plants in tow. Okay. (laughs) Remember... I told you this would warm the... Remember the story of the... (laughs) Automatic aquarium so your fish can follow you around the house? Or where it could drive a vehicle? Little At vehicle least thing? Yeah. it's a living like thing, but I mean a plant. Yeah. You're going to bring... I can't leave home without right. my well, I didn't Camilla. Even know, I didn't even know that this was a thing, but apparently there is. Quote, thanks to years-long pandemic and the rising costs of parenthood, pets are the new babies. And plants have been promoted to the new pets, unquote, Visit Lex said in a news release. Okay, I would have parodied this thinking that... I thought this was a mad TV thing, but it's it's not. Is this a ba- is, was this printed on April 1st? No. Are you wasn't. sure? I'm sure. I checked it. The world's first plant-friendly hotel experience, which kicks off on April the 8th, will offer the Gardner's Premier Corner Room Package for six suites. Quote, especially chosen for their abundance of plant-friendly natural light. Unquote. The package also includes greenery provided by Pemberton's Greenhouses, a complimentary potted succulent botanical toiletries from Kentucky soaps and such, and a tea for plants served in a pink mug. Okay. A tea that you can pour into your plants. I said this yesterday. I don't know anymore. When I go through the scrolling feed of news on April Fool's Day, it looks like every other day. Yeah. I'm just like, okay. Yeah. We're just in perpetual April Fool's Day. Did it say that it was offering tea? It said tea for the plant. Correct. Okay. Wouldn't that make the plant a cannibal? (laughs) Or or it would be a herbivore eating its own kind, which can't be a carnivore because it's not a... Okay, I'm confused now. I'm totally confused. That's what happened. Wow, there's so much to uh, skim over in that and gloss just, over. There, uh, my my brain is almost in lockdown. It's almost like I can't wait to get to the one you're about to read. All right, I've away. got the next news. Get away from that one. Let's get away. All right, we're going to run to police in Texas. They have said you ever known, officers. Have, have you ever known anybody to talk to plants? Have you ever known anybody that did that? No. Okay. No? I, I know one person that does, I think, if they still do. I'm not sure. No, I, don't I mean. I see them very often. When I go no. to the garden, I'm like, oh, look at these tomatoes. But I'm just commenting on, so look at these tomatoes. I'm eat you soon. I don't say, I'm so proud of you, plant. Do you see what you've done? Oh, my. I'm going to give you a medal. You're, oh, you're you give, deserve you're a, giving me oxygen. You deserve a you day. Why don't you just take a day off? You are such a good worker. Take I'm, a day off. I'm giving you CO2 when I exhale. Give you're you giving a, me oxygen. I'm going to give you a personal day. You need it. <laughs> In fact, if anyone listening, anybody looking, I'm going to kiss you right now. 
Could be All right, play. let's go to police in Texas said officers responded to a call about the discovery of skeletal remains near a road and arrived to find the cause oh, of the terrible. report, what? a plastic prop skeleton. Now, they were, and, at least it was skeleton. Yeah, well, at least they noticed it was a skeleton. <laughs> Uh, wow. The Converse Police Department said an investigation was launched when police received a report of skeletal remains discovered near Farm near farm to Market 1516 wow. and Bins Engelman Road. Upon arrival, they discovered plastic uh, the plastic prop skeleton discarded in a field. The Post said the remains were removed and given a proper burial. Okay. <laughs> That's their way of saying we threw them in the trash. They went <laughs> I gotta be honest. If I'm driving down the road and I see a plastic, sc- I wouldn't know. Right, not from a distance. Yeah. So I would at least call. I think it's it's funny though when I would watch older shows when I got older, and I would see older TV shows when I was an adult, and I'd go, "Oh, there's it's an old horror film or some old sitcoms using like a skeleton or something like that." They they made the mistake back in the day just to grab a skeleton from a laboratory to use as a prop as mm-hmm. a decayed body or dead body in some Halloween thing or spooky thing. But they forgot to notice that the skull was cut to take the top off, you know, like they have in a lab where you can look inside it as a, as a display skeleton. That line would still be on there in the movies. They just didn't catch that from time to time. Oh, well, who's going to know the difference? I got the next news. Yeah, the kids will be watching it. From UPI, an Illinois woman said more than 15 pairs of really, really, really tacky shoes have been mistakenly delivered to her home over the course of a year. Simone Boutte of Oak Park said the shoes started being delivered to her home by UPS about a year ago, and between 50 and 20, 15 and 20 pairs have since arrived. Boutte said that she returned one box of shoes to a UPS store. She also said in a Facebook post that she's determined after a January delivery that the shoes were apparently supposed to have been returned to Amazon. UPS officials said the shoes are supposed to be returned to an Amazon vendor outside of China, and the vendor's return label bears the word Simone and an address on Elm Street in Chicago. The address is not a return sender, to, uh, so a UPS attempt to correct the address error led them to being sent to Simone in Oak Park. UPS, UPS said a clerical error was to blame for the shoes arriving at Boutte's home. The company said it would work with the vendor to get the return labels corrected. Uh, an Amazon representative said the company is aware of the issue. Quote, we have been able to address this highly unusual situation. We have reached out to our customer to apologize for this inconvenient and, uh, inconvenience involving a company selling on our site and have also asked the shoe seller to make the appropriate corrections on their end, their end a representative said. Hmm. Boutte said that she is hoping the deliveries will now stop. Well, good luck, because I had a little incident a few months ago. You might remember it. It was last year with a, a UPS backing into my car in a parking lot and damaging it. Well, good luck trying to get a hold of, of UPS to talk to a person about something specific. Right. The only thing you're going to get with them is, please enter your tracking number of your package. Please enter the tracking number of your package. I'm like, don't want a package. I don't need to track a package. I need to talk to you about a driver that hit my vehicle. I mean, we are talking about repeated emails. Letters. I even had the Gwinnett County Police Department, Metro Metro Police Department in Atlanta, trying to investigate, get a hold of them. They couldn't get a hold of anybody. Mm. I thought for sure if the police were calling them to check on something, they'd take their call. But I got nothing on that. So I wound up having my insurance paid for it as an uninsured driver, but I still had to pay the deductible. By the way, you know so how I'm my uh, my brain th- works? We were talking squats earlier. Those are good for your bootay as well. Good for anyone, it won't make the shoes stop coming from no, UPS. Well, but if you want a nice bootay, you could do some squats. You waited until I got up. through all of that to say that. That's been. <laughs> that's been waiting to burst out. You were looking at me like, 
when you said her name, I was like, is her real name really the Boutte? Yes, that's French, you know. You gotta have an, you got eating squash will do that? Is that what you said? Squats. Oh, squats. Okay, squats. I wish eating okay. squash could do that. I would eat yeah, it all the time. The opposite effect. I mean, squash is healthy, but you can't eat I mean, eat it does go to your bootay you at some point. eat a lot of anything. <laughs> Pay attention to what you're doing. We will return after these messages. Fruit juicy. Hey, how about a nice Hawaiian punch? Sure. You taste seven kinds of fruit in Hawaiian punch. Seven kinds of fruit in Hawaiian punch. Hawaiian punch is made with seven kinds of fruit for a one-of-a-kind fruit taste. Hawaiian punch fruit punch with 10% real fruit juice for a real fruit juicy taste. Hawaiian punch is made with seven kinds of fruit for a one-of-a-kind fruit taste. Tony. Mama. You look hungry. Come start your good breakfast with Kellogg's Sugar Frosted Flakes Cereal. The secret frosting makes it extra crunchy, extra delicious. I know. Flakes of corn with just the right amount of frosting for kids and adults. How did I teach you to say it? It's good. You may be Mr. Breakfast to the rest of the world, but you know what you are to me. Your widow Tony. I'm so proud of him. Sit up straight. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, the stuff that we're talking about off the air. I live to disappoint, which would, which would, which would in itself be a separate podcast altogether that we could put. All I can tell you, as I've here. said this over and over, I'm not at all upset anymore about being a little bit shorter than than the average height of a male because right. everything just looks a little bit bigger next to me. Right. Well, okay. Whatever. It's all that means. proportion. That's, that's fine. <laughs> Do you ever look down? Like I don't know if you've ever gotten like one time my wife bought the eight ounce beer cans by mistake. I don't know what we're they were like. Doing I don't know what here. that was like. That little thing about eight, you know, like they just. I guess to make you drink smaller. And I looked. I was like, my hand looks huge. I guess, I guess it's just when we get older, we just have no filter. We just start talking about whatever the heck we want to. What doesn't matter that we're Did on I the air. Did I have one to begin doesn't with? Doesn't matter that we're on the air at a radio station. We just talk. For that actually is the one filter I start thinking about that. Talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> you drink filtered beer then, or something else. I got one more news that you can do. Flash. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. UPI. National. Oh, I remember this. I talked about it this week with Mike I Garcia. Know, and Little I Red it was, Wagon I it Day. Cool. It observed annually on the last Wednesday in March, was originally celebrated in 2016 to mark Radio Flyers. 100th anniversary. I thought that was cool. The holiday which celebrates the Little Red Wagon invented by Radio Flyer founded uh, founder Antonio Pisan, or Payson, I think, was first marked in 2016 as part of the company's celebration of its 100th anniversary. Payson initially started selling wooden wagons in 1917, and in 1923 he built the first wood and steel wagon to bear the name Radio Flyer. The wagons were mass-produced out of stamp metal by 1930, Radio Flyer wagons were inducted into the Strong Museum's Toy Hall of Fame in 1999. Wow. I had a red wagon growing up, but I did, I did I, not I, have a Radio Flyer. I had one called, it was a Western Auto red wagon. They were the hardware store that sold toys and a lot of other things growing up. People might remember the Western Auto chains. There may still be some left. I'm not sure. But I had a red Western Auto wagon that looked just like a radio flyer. So I had one for my kids growing was your, up. Was there a, a radio a red, flyer? It was a radio flyer, wow, okay. red wagon. Yeah, the real name brand. But I asked this question earlier in the week. 
where did the phrase come from? I'm gonna fix your little red wagon. I don't know if that was the thing where that really because means I didn't that, know it was you're broken. Gonna get your butt kicked. Exactly. What that's means. what it yeah. meant. How did it go? From, yeah. Like how did how did that happen? And did kids say it first? What's the etymology of that phrase? I have to look that up and see. Well, but that fix was a, your little red wagon. That was it. That was a well good because the axle's quote. bent. I, I need somebody to <laughs> my, fix it. My handle where I pull it is broke. I can't. It won't stay. Well, on. what happens if you go to the store and say I need someone to fix my little red wagon? Does somebody just get to come up and punch you? Walk out with a black eye. Especially when you really meant to fix your little red wagon. Uh, I think I would have to say, I need you to repair the wagon I bought here. Here it is. <laughs> you have to just phrase Do you guys fix these? Yeah. You mean <laughs> the little red wagon? No, no. No, these. this. That one right there. It happens to be red. Yeah. But, yeah. There, I'll, I'll share a story with you growing up. My grandfather had one of those, uh, one of the first uh, riding lawnmowers. And when he would hook the little wagon that we had up to his riding lawnmower and pull us, to us as kids, it we was were like moving a ride at, the at 100 park. miles an hour. Oh, yeah. Because the dust was flying out the back and stuff, and it was crazy, and we'd fall out, and we'd get back in and rub dirt into our elbow where we got hurt, get back on the wagon and do it again. Even as a kid, I was on the wagon. <laughs> Something else. What's even worse there. is you kept falling off the wagon. I kept falling off the wagon. <laughs> I did. I got right back up on it again. I do have another story here about an uh, actor, a television, television or movie actor that had a problem this week, or at least they had a, a press release about it. You heard about Bruce Willis. It says he's yeah. stepping away. Stepping away or retiring from acting, his family actually revealed that this week. He's being diagnosed, been diagnosed with aphasia, which that's, I know it's been around, but that's something that I'd never heard of, that one word, aphasia. I mm-hmm. never heard that before, and I learned a lot. He's 67-year-old actor, Bruce Willis. His family shared the news on Instagram this past Wednesday morning, riding alongside of, uh, writing alongside a photo of him. To Bruce, to Bruce's amazing supporters, as a family, we wanted to share that our beloved Bruce has been experiencing some health issues and has recently been di- diagnosed with aphasia, which is impacting his cognitive abilities, unquote. Now, according to the Mayo Clinic, aphasia robs you of the ability to communicate and can affect your s- ability to speak, write, and understand language, both verbal and written. That would be a problem if you're a performing actor after a That's while. That's a problem, period, but yes. yes. <laughs> The group adds that the condition typically occurs suddenly after a stroke or a head injury, which I don't know if either Bruce has had either both, either, or just one. I don't know, but it can also come on gradually from a slow-growing brain tumor or disease that causes progressive permanent damage, uh, degenerative damage to you. So Bruce's family's Instagram post went on to say that it was a really challenging time for them all. And they're very appreciative of their of your love and compassion and support for Bruce Willis. He's he's known for his long career in Hollywood that spans several decades, often playing the lead in action films like Die Hard and its sequels, Armageddon, and more. He's also appeared in iconic films like Pulp Fiction, The Fifth Element, The Sixth Sense, Twelve Monkeys. A lot of Bruce Willis films have numbers in them. You notice that? Mm. And Sin City. Often as tough guy characters with a heart of gold. More recently, he starred in the 2018 Eli Roth-directed action thriller Death Wish. Was that a remake of the Charles yes. Bronson film? Okay, because I didn't see it. Bruce has received num- numerous accolades, including the Golden Globe Award and two Emmy Awards, and has several projects lined up for a 2022 20- release, mm-hmm. which should be coming up. At a 2018 30th anniversary screening of Die Hard, Bruce's co- co-star Reginald uh, Bill Johnson said that he his committed portrayal of the New York City police detective John McClane, he said, I think it was the first big film, and he wanted to make it right. He wanted to make it work. He was more concerned with how to do the role in that film rather than anything else. So and several accolades right now are out there on, uh, on Instagram and, and especially Twitter of other actors sending Bruce well wishes and whatnot. Um, 
There's a little-known film that he was in, and uh, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it was a, he played a cop that was a, he was a negotiator when, he, when someone would show up and was holding someone hostage or about mm-hmm. to kill themselves. He would show up and try to talk, talk them out of it or whatnot, and it, it, the film opens with him doing that, and he fails. The guy winds up either killing the person or whatever, and it affected him horribly. I know what it was called. It was called, have you seen it? It's called Hostage. Yeah. And then he then he goes to the house where the guy's being uh, where um, um, Kevin Pollock plays the guy and the the rich guy in the house where the kids break into the house and Bruce Willis I think has got to take care of that situation because he's holding the people hostage in the house. That's actually a it wasn't a well known movie I don't think but I thought it was a really good film. Uh, I thought that was a good movie I, one of his I, later and, films and it's the opening good. that stuck with me because it was it was sad it was. In a way. Jarring. I was yeah. not expecting it to fail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm like, oh, he's going to talk. And like, wait, he's the hero. Bad. Like in your head, it's Bruce <laughs> right, Willis. Yeah. So, and talk about talk what you want about his older roles. I mean, to me, you know, great, great role in Die Hard. To me, that's probably the one of the ones that I'll always remember him for is John McClane. Now, the sequels, like them or not, some of them were not that great. Some of them were actually okay, but none of them came anywhere near close to the first Die Hard at all. Hmm. Uh, it was just a for me. I only look loved. at it as a trilogy. I know they made two more. It's one, three, two. <laughs> yeah, two was two was a little disappointing. I saw two in the theater because I always loved Die Hard. I'm like, oh well, the second one's coming out. It's directed by Rennie Harlan. You know, Michael Kamen still does the music. It's, it's it's Bruce Willis playing basically the same guy, right? And uh, you know, his wife's stuck on an airplane at this point, and John Amos from Good Times plays mm-hmm. one of the guys in it. And I, I thought it was okay, but it did it did kind of fall. The others fall way below Die Hard, which is a hard thing to be as good as. Let's just put it that it's, way. It's okay <laughs> when you watch the trilogy, again. Out of order. Looking at <laughs> it watch them out of order, as though. a product of its time. Right. I love the whole idea that they, he how he figures out what the, quote, military folks are really doing. Right, when you're he, talking about in Die Hard 2, right? In Die Hard yeah. 2. Die Harder. Die Harder. <laughs> yeah. But it felt way too much like they were forcing some action sequences. Right. Whereas when you go... Uh, to the third Die Hard, where they added Samuel L. Jackson, they said, "Okay, let's take it in a bit of a different direction. Let's bring back a diabolical mastermind who's trying to." And I thought it worked so much better. So the third movie yeah. is better than the second. It did work better, and it didn't. Uh, which none of them again come close to the first one. But the third one, when they added Samuel Jackson, to me, it's I'm like, are they trying to turn it into Lethal Weapon with it, so that he has a buddy now? I'm like this doesn't need that, but I guess it was an okay different element. It uh, did make it that, different so. enough. Plus, you bring back kind of like, you find out the, <laughs> right. it's Hans's brother. And right, the, and it ties in. That, yeah. and then yeah. when you realize what's really happening and what, I love, yeah. I like a story that has me guessing where the bad guy's going. But we are Bruce Willis fans, and we, we wish him the best. It's hard to hear, you know, stories like that yeah. come out, and you're like, oh, well, he's probably not going to be doing any more acting anymore. Or at least, I don't know if he's to that point yet, so we'll have to just wait. They just announced it, so I don't know how, when was his last film? I don't know, but like you said, a lot of them are going to be coming out in 2023. Right. Or maybe so, even this year. Maybe he'll give another interview soon and talk about it or something like that. We don't know. Because uh, Charlton Heston did when he was in the throes of, uh, of uh, Alzheimer's. He came out with one last interview. It's B. Count there. We'll be back with more, I promise. We will return after these messages. If your lunch doesn't last you the whole day through, I'm Diddy Moore with a great beef stew. It makes a good dinner, but I've got a hunch. Why wait for dinner? Have it for lunch. It's meat and potatoes, good lean beef, in a gravy rich beyond belief. Just try my stew. I've got a hunch. You're gonna like having dinner for lunch. Look for my thumbprint on every can and have dinner for lunch. The Great One presents... 
The great entertainers from General Electric. What value? A selection of 100% solid-state color sets in a multitude of screen sizes. You get brilliant performance. And the brightest, sharpest pictures in GE history. I demand value for my hard-earned inheritance. I'm having Mother put a GE in every room of my villa. <laughs> General Electric Television, the great entertainer. Well, hey, it's BK on the air here. We're back to talk about nostalgia, goofiness, retro, funny, goofy monkey business like I do every Saturday. I always add more words to that. It's no way to say what it is. I always joke with people. I'm like, I'm the guy who was born in the 60s, grew up mostly in the 70s, and graduated in the early 80s. That's all you need to know about me and my lights and what I grew up with and what I watched on television. Your formative like years. So, yes, we are. I guess we're officially Gen Xers. Is that what we are? Yeah. I guess I came in just on the end of it, I guess. I don't know how those years run. But, yes, that's 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 me. And uh, I was heavily influenced by baby booming parents, let's put it that way, because mm -hmm. I listened to a lot to their music, watched their old TV shows growing up in syndication, and had a, uh, a, a an appreciative attitude about all that they liked. And I, I thought it was good, you know, watching Andy Griffith and the Honeymooners and Jackie Gleason and all those old shows. I did like them. I didn't think they were horrible. A lot of people are like, I hate what my parents like. Well, I didn't like everything they liked, but a lot of the stuff they liked, I liked too, and still do to this day. And what's funny is when I started watching stuff, they liked what I was watching, so... Aww. It worked out good. My dad introduced me to Johnny Cash and Fats Domino and Elvis Presley, but my dad also went in over into the 70s really liking Steely Dan and Crosby, Stills & Nash and uh, Steve Miller Band and stuff like that. So he was listening to the 70s stuff, too, which I thought was great. Let's do a little uh, talk about history and retro and, and nostalgia. Let's talk about on this day in history today. Oh, I came one. I was one day off. If only the April 1st had been today on Saturday. <laughs> I had such a great thing planned. I'm like, no, I can't do that on the air now. I got, it was that was yesterday so you guys had fun on wbhf yesterday though, for april fools we did i did i did get my mom on an april fools joke yesterday because i know i told you tomorrow yesterday i was on my way to her see her and i got her on one and it's it's way too intricate to tell on the i'll tell you off the air what i did but i have to watch it with my mom because she's she's in her mid-70s and i can't pull two two really great april fools joke because i don't want to give her a heart attack <laughs> <or something like. laughs> you're what you did what you ate what you're going where? I can't do that. April the 2nd. It's the day after April Fool's Day, the, the not-so-fun day. But there's things happening on this date in history. Listen to this. In 1800, on April the 2nd, the first performance of Beethoven's First Symphony was given on this day in C. All right. It's awesome. There's a, a guy big, who big I Beethoven never fan. understood how a man can write and understand intricate music and be totally deaf. Because that's what music is. You have to hear it. But that's proof that you don't have to. Since well, Beethoven's a genius, you can put the notes together. In fairness, together. he was gradually losing his hearing. By the right. time he wrote his but, Ninth Symphony, he was totally but deaf. But some would argue that the when he wrote his best work is when he was deaf. And how is that possible? It, he said <clears throat> he would put his hand on the True. floor where the and musicians the were all playing and yep. feel the vibration. Right. But even at that... He was How daredevil I, of music. He was. He was, the, he was Charlie Cox of music. He was. Uh, he was a, a Matt Murdock. 1827 on this day in history, U.S. inventor Joseph Dixon of Salem, Massachusetts, began manufacturing what? And, and you'd never guess it because his name doesn't even give it away. He first begins manufacturing in 1827 lead pencils in 1827 on this day. 
1877, on this day, the first Easter egg rolled out uh, roll held on the White House lawn happened in 1877. I didn't it know took it was, that long. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know what year it was, but that was when it was. Jimmy Carter when they first did it. Well, it wasn't Jimmy Carter, but oh, wait, 77? 1877. Yes, it was. Oh, 18. I thought you said 19. <laughs> no, it was 18. Sorry, I'm I, like Jimmy Carter's. I thought old? you said 19. I was like, it took that long to have one. My, that's why I said Jim, that. Jim is older than I thought he was. <sighs> Today in, explains a lot. today in 1902, the first on this day in history, Electric Theater, the first full-time movie theater in the United States, opens in Los Angeles, California on this day in 1902, and it's called Electric Theater, appropriately named. 1956, soap operas As the World Turns and The Edge of Night both premiered on TV at the same time. For those people who love their, their, as my grandmother used to call them, I can't do anything today because I'm going to be watching my stories. My stories? <laughs> she called them her stories. I know my mom was being like, oh, I can't miss my soaps. Soaps, stories, all depends on where you're from is what you call them. My soaps. Uh, on this day in history, a movie premiered starring Carol Dulé and Gary Lockwood. You know who Gary Lockwood is who played in this movie? He also played the, uh, if you remember the pilot episode of the original Star Trek series where they went through the barrier at the edge of the galaxy and the crew members had the glowing eyes and they had the superpowers. Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm. Called Where No Man's Gone Before. Gary Lockwood was the guy oh. in that episode. He had a little computer saying, I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. That movie premiered on this day in history in 1968. 2001, A Space Odyssey. Stanley Kubrick, my favorite director of all time. And that's a way out there spaced out movie, that's for sure. Especially the ending. 1977, Fleetwood Mac's album Rumors goes to number one and stays atop the charts for 31 weeks. Great album. 1977. Their best. I'll just have to say right up front, their best. 1977, for me, when I look back on it in music history, was a fantastic year for albums. That album came out. I think there was a. I think there might have been a, a great Boston album came out that year. ELO's uh, Out of the Blue, where Mr. Blue Sky's off. Wasn't that There's actually a, Boston's debut album? I think debut album came out in '76, and I think their second album came out in '77. I'll have to look that up. If only there was a way to check it. I just, Let's I just see. know Boston's debut album. We said this when we had the guys from the the old '96 Rock days. Outside of maybe Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction, I can't think of a band who had a bigger. More oh, hit album sure. than Boston's <clears throat> original. I mean, it's like, so, oh my God, every song. I was ha- I was only partly right. Boston's first album, which we love, which almost every song is a hit, is from '76. Boston's "Don't Look Back" album, which is their second album, didn't come out until '78. So it was a year after that. I was wrong about that. Uh, third stage was released in 1986. That's why everyone was surprised when Boston waited so long from '78 to '86 to come out with their third album, and people were complaining. They're like, well. This, no one's listening to this because it sounds just like the last album. I'm like, well, it's Boston. They have right. their own sound. It's they did, their sound. They sat there and they're like, we're not turning into the 80s like everyone else did. We're going to do our own rock. I think there's actually more <laughs> hits, though, from the third album than the second. I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to look at that. But, they, but they I will say this about hits, Boston. Though. They probably were just too having too much fun spending all the money they made on those tours. They did. And Tommy Schultz, I think, uh, that's, the, that's the main guy with Boston. He he was He's an ex. He's, a, he's an electrical engineer. He has a degree in electrical engineering from, from, from a university. University. And I understand that he was a total 100% perfectionist and was very meticulous about their music. And that led to, I think, delaying and working on things. Kind of like Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys, mm-hmm. was that way, too. I think he was just that way. And it led to, unfortunately, their lead singer, Brad Delph, who, who you know who was a great singer, he could hit some great notes in Boston, leaving the band after the third album. And I think he only did one or two songs in one or two albums after that and never returned to Boston. And him and Tommy mm. Schultz would... Uh, Butt heads a lot, and that led to Brad Delp's suicide, believe it, it or not. He killed you know, himself. way too many times you get, it's just sad the stories that repeat about 
really artistic people that just can't get along. Yeah, and that's I guess that comes with being very artistic, and the word uh, artistic and autistic are so <laughs> close because it, it could be they could be some truth there. I, I mean, well, I just think when one person believes they've got the only answer, but they're with the group yeah. of people that someone else also says, no, 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 right? I've got the only answer. Right. It's great when that's those answers are the same when they butt heads, but when they're not. Yeah, I've I've run into that a lot. I try to I try to uh, when I run into the alpha when I run into alpha males, you know the type that like to be alpha males, and they're usually jerks. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes I always go, I don't get along with alpha males because I'm the bear of the woods. I'm just a big bear that's not part of your wolf pack. <laughs> be careful here. Ooh, I love this song. It's out of the blue, the ELO album. Electric Light Orchestra on Jet Records and Tapes. Distributed by CBS Records. Play to win. You never lose. And seven ups the one you choose. It's a natural kind of taste. Nothing else comes here. Seven up, cool as your thirst. Seven up, the difference is clear. That's what only it can do. Nothing else comes near. It's a clean, refreshing taste. Seven up, the difference is clear. Seven up, cool as you. Stand by for action. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Oh my God, who the hell cares? Remember, uh, before we went to the break, we were talking about the uh, Rumors album in Boston, about how some of these some of these groups will come out with, a, with an album, and mm-hmm. almost the whole album is the greatest hits. That is kind of like, you talked about the first Boston album. That is like Rumors. The bulk of the hits, the bulk of the songs on Rumors by Fleetwood Mac were mostly radio play hits, I think. I think so. Them were. And that's great when you get an album like that. You're like, oh, I love the Because as a kid, you're like, you save up money, you buy an album, you're like... Oh, I love that song, but it's the only song I like on the whole yeah. album. That's that was just, always just disappointing when I'd go bucks. buy one. Like, there's only one really good song here. Right. Could have bought the 45. <laughs> that, that, right. That's why back in the days we were like, uh, that's why we only have greatest hits of people. We only have greatest hits. And when I do when I do favorite albums, which we've always done, whether it be online, list your five favorite rock albums, or we do it here, because we love lists. Don't we yeah. love to do our lists? I always say, greatest hits are not to be included. I mean, sorry, greatest hits are easy pick. Right. And that's not really officially an album. That's a compilation of all their other albums. Sometimes an album will come out, and I don't know how. Some people are fickle. They're like, oh, I I like this group, but I I only like their hits. I'm like, have you heard any other song by them at all? Yeah, but I didn't like any of their songs. There are many groups that I like where I'm like, oh, I, I love 
a lot. Most, some of them, I like the no hits better than the ones that were hits. It just works well, out that way. I think if you if you eliminated greatest hits, rumors does not count as a greatest hits, even though ironically no. it would be right. It, 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 it's right. Got, but it's an album. I, I did this <laughs> yeah. the other day. I love my Alexa because we were sitting there, we were doing some stuff outside in the deck, but it was cool enough. We had the door open, right? So I just turned it up and I said, "Play the greatest hits." Of Fleetwood Mac. Oh, okay. And yeah, I so swear, it. it just played the rumors. Yeah, play the rumors. <laughs> or it's playing them in order. Those are the first hits they had. I'm like, is it other. every song from Rumors? <laughs> it <laughs> did play is. some other ones, but right. it it was an amazing bit of music. Well, let's play a little bit of music now, because we're still doing On This Day in History. i got one more for you here. Uh, 1978, a certain television show premiered on CBS. Makes me want to go buy an oil field somewhere. Pump it for and, some and avoid ticking some woman off who wants to shoot me. <laughs> and being really mean with a cowboy hat and a three-piece suit. Welcome the theme, to Dallas. Theme to Dallas. Boy, what a television show Mark that, that show made on uh, on television history. Who mm-hmm. shot JR? Kids today have no idea what we mean when we say that. Because it was one of those hot well, probably one of the most other than the one armed man from the Richard Kimball uh fugitive mm-hmm. television series with David Jansen, Quinn Martin show in the sixties. That was probably one of the most iconic cliffhangers, I think, in television history. I could, st- I still remember it as being so because it was on the cover of every magazine. It was t-shirts had it on there, uh, buttons. Who shot Jr.? Who shot Jr.? You mm-hmm. know, and everybody was guessing. My mom got into it. Well, I don't know. I think so and so shot him. I'm like, I don't know, mom. I only watch this because you watch it. <laughs> that was one of the shows where I was just young enough that I loved the opening. I'd watch the, oh, yeah, opening, the opening with the, the, the music, music and yeah. And then as soon as it started, I went to something That's else. That's right, because it showed an aerial shot of Dallas. It showed the football stadium. And the star going by with superimposed and, yeah. images from behind right. the scenes. Yeah, that uh, and the little three little three things of their faces coming up, the yeah. little graphics they could do. It Loved was interesting it. that way. So Loved uh, the opening. But it Never was, watched a single episode. But it was basically a soap opera. It was a drama that, actually, mm-hmm. think about it, it should have been on weekdays during the day, but it was a nighttime soap. But what a what a great thirteen year run that show had, uh, and it was a five week miniseries to start with. Talk about miniseries. We were talking about that earlier. It started out that way, really? and then it returned to TNT many years ago as a new show with the sa- almost the same a lot of Did the same cast. Did they call it Dallas Returns? I think it was just called Dallas or the Next Generation <laughs> or something like that. I don't know what it was. Dallas the Next the Generation. Return of Dallas. Picard shows up. Wait, whoa, wrong wrong generation wrong show. Uh, it is uh, birthdays today. Let's get to the birthdays. Today is Christian Ebsen Jr.'s birthday today. Uh, do you know who that is? Well, they call it his 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 middle name was Buddy. Buddy, oh, Buddy Epson. Buddy Epson. He died in 2003. You know, he was originally cast as the Tin Man in uh, mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz, but he was allergic to the silver paint. Yeah, really, and he couldn't do it after all. A lot, a lot of makeup potential disasters in that movie. <laughs> yeah, and also he uh, he he had another television series after uh, after uh, uh, Beverly Hillbillies. He mm-hmm. was in a Quinn Martin production. Detective show uh, Barnaby Jones. Barnaby Jones in the seventies. My mom loved Barnaby Jones. Today is a man's birthday who played probably my favorite Jedi of all time. Today is Alec Guinness's birthday. He died in the year two thousand. Wouldn't you kind of argue he set the benchmark for the Jedi? <laughs> I think he did. <laughs> I mean, in some ways. But looking at all the Jedi 
characters, I always think of, of Obi-Wan being probably the greatest one. Because, number one, he survived <laughs> all that stuff. And he managed to fight and almost win in every uh, winner. It was a draw of the fights that he had. And uh, he was just, the, the, I think he was just the best Jedi of all. But Alec Guinness was a great actor, as we know, long before Star Wars. But a lot of kids didn't know him before Star Wars. And he got a little annoyed with being in, uh, uh, recognized as Obi-Wan over and over again. But I think he was he was kind of... He was kind of diplomatic about it, though. Did you ever see his appearance on the David Letterman show in the early 80s? You may have played it for me, but I don't he, remember it. He was talking to him once, and he goes, uh, he goes, well, you know, everyone knows you as Obi-Wan Kenobi from Star Wars. And, you know, you could tell that, uh, that Alec was getting, he's like, okay, here we go. Mm -hmm. Talk about this. And uh, he goes, he goes you, you are known for saying one of the most iconic lines in movie history, you know, from Star Wars. And, and, and Alec's like, yes. He's nodding, mm -hmm. you know, not not saying it. He's saying he's nodding, and and David Letterman goes, "Do it, <laughs> just do it." <laughs> he's like, "No, no, no." He's like, "Oh, come on, do it." I mean, and every, and the, the crowd goes wild in David's mm -hmm. studio. They start cheering, and then Alec Guinness looks at him, and then he looks up, you know, wrote, does the eye roll, and he finally goes, "Yes, I know the one you're talking about. May the force be with you." Mm -hmm. And he says it, and the whole audience has a fit. It cuts back to David Letterman. He goes, oh, yeah, cool. That really wasn't the line I was talking about, but we'll move on. <laughs> just like being funny with him. He's like, that's not really the line I meant. But no, you know what's crazy that. is I know that's the phrase, but the one that always pops in my head first is, the force will be with you always. always. That's, that's the one that hangs with me the most. That's why I play it in my show opening. Yeah, it's, it's there, and I do like it when, the, when, he's, when he says that because it's, it's, it's a little more powerful that way. Because rather than saying, may it be with you, it's yes. like, no. It's with you. Oh, wait. A Jedi Always. is telling me that it's going to be with me. That makes yes. me feel good. <laughs> That's great. You can't lose it. You can't forget it. Oh, did somebody see my That's force? Right. I was just inside, and I, I, he said I can't I had remember. It. I thought he it was in my I pocket. It with me. And... No, no, no. <laughs> the force will be with you. Always. Okay. So even really? if I don't have it in my pocket, I got it. Today is Ron Palillo's <laughs> birthday. Ron Palillo. Does that ring a bell nope. to you? Does uh, if, I say the, if I say the line, Mr. Carter... Mr. Carter. Does, does that ring a bell? Yes, a Horshack bit. from Welcome Back, Carter. It's his birthday today. He died in 2012. Oh. Yeah, and today is another great actor's birthday that we both like. Mac, uh, today's Michael Fassbender's birthday. A guy who I think would, would have been great as Bond if he'd ever got offered it, but he's just a great... All the X-Men films where it's him and James McAvoy sharing scenes as Magneto and, and Professor X, worth the, the ticket to see the film just to see them interact. They're great mm. together as those two younger characters um and as we see in x-men you know being a mutant ages you terribly <laughs> because just a few scant years later they look like patrick stewart and uh and uh i uh, in mckellen yeah um, <laughs> like okay they've aged quite a bit it's like a magneto talk about alec guinness you know obi-wan obi-wan in star wars and you and mcgregor on tatooine tatooine ages you too <laughs> he yeah, gets to look harsh a lot desert older. living in that dry arid air didn't luke get the shaft at the end of episode three, we ship Leia off to Alderaan, which is this beautiful palatial waterfall planet where she becomes royalty. Luke gets Tatooine as a moisture farmer with dirt to eat. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait a Although minute. Although in the grand scheme of the universe, Alderaan is no more. Right, and Tatooine, Tatooine is the center of the Tatooine apparently is still the center of the <laughs> so, known story universe of Star Wars. <laughs> Could you imagine how different it would have been if Grand Moff Tarkin said, let's test the weapon on Tatooine <laughs> and blow it up? You know up. what? With that much sand, <laughs> like, you might have created a diamond in that's space. That's terrible. <laughs> 
Well, it's a national something day every day, national day of. And I know some people think those are silly, but I think they're cool because I, I think what they do is they help you be aware of something, which I think is totally fun to make it a national day of something. Today is a really good one because okay. I love this. Today Beer? is, well, you might could have one with oh. this. It's National Peanut Butter and Jelly Day oh. today. And, buddy, that's a staple that I can always fix if I'm hungry and I need something that's going to make me feel satisfied. Yeah. Make me a PB&J. The PB&J is... One of the most perfect foods it's a, that it's, you can fix. Yeah. It's a home a home economist, economics name. Julia Davis Chandler conjured up the first known recipe for the PB&J in Boston, Massachusetts. Cooking uh, magazine. It was a cooking magazine back in 1901. The, uh, the 1928 pre-sliced bread revolution led a lot of people to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches during the Great Depression since it was an affordable and nutritious treat that kids could make for themselves, uh, albeit with a lot of mess, though. During World War II, the U.S. Army's food ration list included peanut butter and jelly and bread, so give soldiers the credit for combining these tasting ingredients into the classic combination we know and love today. They brought their recipe back home. The American children have benefited from that ever since, so... Wow, thank you very much to whoever brought the PB&J into existence. And peanut butter. Sometimes I don't even need the jelly or the bread. Sometimes just a couple of spoonfuls of peanut butter that I can just smack on with a little drink. I love it. My wife does that. I'm not a big fan of it by itself because it feels too sticky. I need something with it. But I like the natural peanut butter, the kind that has no added sugar. When you look on the ingredients of the back, it it. it (laughs) it says peanut butter, salt. Peanuts and salt. That's all that's in that. And it's mashed and made into a peanut butter. And I think there's nothing. It's just, it's just many. There's a several pleasures in my life. That just happens to be one of them. There's nothing wrong with that. And with me, jelly. You know, what's your favorite jelly? You strawberry. Your absolute favorite. Now, which strawberry. ones do you like? Your strawberry. What else? What do you mean like other flavors? Yeah, other flavors of jelly. Or, uh, there aren't preserves. many I don't like. Isn't that true? Ironically, I'm not a big big grape jelly person, though. I'm not big on grape jelly on something. I'd rather have strawberry or raspberry or blueberry. favorite. I like grape jelly. But in order, apple's number five. Maybe I'm doing five. Apple, (laughs) um, uh, strawberry. I do love grape jelly. I'm not a big orange marmalade person. I'm not a big orange person. But I think my favorite jelly is, uh, uh, I I guess it would be apricot jelly is my favorite one. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, berry, blueberry. I don't care if it says preserves or jelly. I'll eat it. It's fine. Speak on the air. So, uh, we'll get your mother later and go to the movies. Dad, we forgot the peanut butter. Can we buy Superman peanut butter? Our brand's fine, honey. Have you ever tasted Superman peanut butter? Its strength is its great taste. Mmm, delicious. Smooth and creamy. A real fresh roasted peanut flavor. It's nutritious, too. Superman peanut butter. Its strength is its great taste. The Equalizer will continue. Friday, America's master illusionist, David Copperfield, travels to China to perform his greatest feat ever. Can he pass unharmed through the Great Wall of China? Then, on Dallas. A man would be crazy not to fall in love with you. Well, I was right about you two all along, wasn't I? A jealous JR is out to get revenge. Well, it doesn't take a genius to figure that one out. And on Falcon Crest. If Peter so much as touches a hair on grandmother's head, I'll tear him apart. The battle of wills begins. He's going to wish to God he'd never cross me. Friday. This is CBS. Hey, it's BK on there. I want to remind everybody you can hear the show as a podcast. We turn it into a podcast. And if you're listening to the podcast now, that ain't going to make a lot of sense. But we do turn it into a podcast. You can hear it. Check out my YouTube channel. Go to 
SoundCloud. You can go to Anchor. You can go to Spotify. Just search for BK on the Air podcast out there, and you can find it. I was going to do this story last week, and I did put it up on Facebook, but I want to do it live because it's very interesting to read it and listen to it. The best of the worst Uber stories that make you cringe, uh. cry, or laugh. Now, these are Uber drivers. You can make a anecdotal reference to hundreds of stories we've heard, and you probably have some bizarre stories, too, especially if you are one. But for now, we've sifted through the four favorite newsworthy stories about Uber drivers that will make you think, hey, maybe I should just drive myself <laughs> after you've taken one. And by the way, I've never used Uber. I've only used Lyft so far. I'm not giving a product plug, but I've just never had it. I don't use them a lot, but I think that the instances that I've been able to use um, Lyft, the other uh, – business that does that is when i would get drop my car off for service they would lift me back to where i needed to go for free which was which was great which is part of the 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 Mm -hmm. car dealerships thing and i never had one bad story in fact every lyft driver i've ever had we've already always had little convenient conversations congenial you know talking about this talking about that i'd bring up something they'd bring up something or sometimes they'd have something in their car like something hanging from the mirror and i'd strike up a conversation oh i see you're got a uh, you got a darth vader air freshener hanging from your that's a conversation starter with me for sure if you like star wars we can talk about that now i don't know if they were talking to me because just because i was a writer and they were trying to be nice and they're like just shut don't up. forget to just tip. shut up don't talk to me so uh yeah you know i didn't even have to tip them uh when they the uh the the car dealership that was all included in their thing so that was even a bonus that's for nice. me too and that was great uh here we go uber stories oklahoma city is a nice city also home to teens who robbed a bank and called uber for a getaway vehicle oh no! not only is this true it happened on february 19th of 2019 and as you can imagine didn't work out the way the criminals had hoped thankfully the uber driver showed up on the scene saw that there were police cars everywhere and realized hmm oh no the robbers wanted me to help them get away before they could get into the car they were arrested who knew an app would lead to such crap (laughs) so Mm. That's that's one that actually had a pretty good outcome. I think that's cool. Of course, we know we've had countless of stories of criminals not being the smartest, uh, sharpest knife in the drawer anyway yep. when it comes to stuff like this. Well, have you heard the slogan for Virginia? Virginia is for lovers. That's their there's bumper stickers that have shown that. We go to Virginia and see that logo. I guess that's their state logo. Virginia is for lovers, but also... Uh, for blackout drunks, too, by the way, that pass out, I think, which is exactly what happened to Uber customer Kenny Bachman. He was so drunk, he requested an Uber to take him home. Well, that's good. To New Jersey. Whoops. Which is about 300 miles away from where he was, and also cost $1,600 to get there via Uber. Turns out he really did have to pay the fare and extra charges for all the tolls along the way. This guy drove him. He actually took his took his thing, and, and he went... So uh, next time you pass out drunk, maybe it's better to just pass out where you, you know, are, and at least it's cheaper if you just pass out. I wouldn't mind driving are. somebody three hours for sixteen hundred bucks. Uber, oh, sure, the Uber driver didn't mind. That I was could fine. do that. Yeah, but just, he had to pay it though, because he didn't know what he was doing. Well, it's through the app. It's so just yeah. proof. Don't uh, just, just just don't be don't don't, don't abuse alcohol because you're going to get into a lot of trouble not knowing what you're doing. But I do commend him not trying to drive himself. Well, that's that is good. That's one good thing that came out of this. Uh, oh, no, it's Virginia again on this one. This time, Ebony James was doing her thing, and by thing, we mean shoplifting at Walmart. <laughs> A great idea struck her. Hey, why not get an Uber to be my getaway car? <laughs> why not? That way you don't have to use your own car. Not a great idea for several reasons. The first being Walmart security saw her, saw her schedule, the Uber, and get into the car. This made it super easy for cops to track down the vehicle and arrest her. 
note to readers, if you're going to shoplift, maybe next time, call a, call a taxi. <laughs> might might be less trackable that Let way. Me think. I don't know. I have so. to set up an app that bills me, <laughs> that has my certified address and right. number and all this contact right. information, uh-huh. Uh-huh. so yeah. I can request the ride. Yeah. They'll uh-huh. never put two and two together. No, there's no way they can track <laughs> there's me. There's no, no way they'll find me. Number one, if you're going to shoplift now... How many cameras are there now? I've been to Walmart. There's cameras like outside You're, at the door. If you ever walked Everywhere. in the back of like the new like the the Walmart like th- loss prevention, yes. it's like you're in a Vegas casino. I know. I'm like, what's where's the roulette wheel? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, one more Uber. Let's talk about this Uber. Uber is nothing if not convenient. Yes, well, we know that. Mm-hmm. Especially if you are David Walker of Connecticut. The Uber driver found a purse was left in the back seat and thought, hey. I should use the credit card in this purse to buy Viagra. <gasps> no. What a stand-up individual he was. He really got excited about it. Unfortunately, it was a <laughs> terrible idea. He was arrested and charged with theft, which cost him $5,000 in courts. Talk about a tease, yeah. Mm. <laughs> so there's a lot more. Check them out. I mean, search for weird stories, best of the worst Ubers, and you'll find the website that has all those Uber stories on there because... I don't know. I, number one, you and I aren't criminals. We don't have the criminal thoughts in our heads. But you know, we could like like we always said, you could trust us with your kids and your dogs. Mm-hmm. We'd be great. You're very Captain America when it comes that way. But I've, I, the things I hear that happen now, I'm like, how in the world would somebody think they could get away with that? It's amazing. It I is mean, amazing. Sometimes the, they have the those people. gun buyback programs, and sometimes the criminals that have used the guns in the in the crime will take them and turn them in and go, oh, I can get $200 for this gun. I'm like, you know, they're going to check that when you get there. <laughs> they're going to check some things when you show up. <laughs> I guess you're not, you haven't thought that far ahead, which is kind of why you're where you are in your life. I yeah, they, they may explain exactly. Some of the decisions you've <laughs> so, made to get to where you are yes. may not be the best. Now, I'll admit, I don't always adhere to the uh, <coughs> the speed limit, maybe, but the last time I checked, where's where's the book that I checked? That's not a felony. No. That's not crazy. You don't I mean, generally do jail faster, time for that. faster. You don't get a new book. roommate who might find you affectionate at night. Now, no! No. No. <laughs> I, I I don't I even know what that means. Want to do anything that puts me in a situation no. where I need to be vigilant twenty four seven. As a kid, I did see that PBS production called Scared Straight. I don't know if you ever saw that uh, as a kid. No, but I know of it. They had a, it's a show where they actually take cameras into a prison to where people get incarcerated for crimes, and they would take about twelve to thirteen troubled teens, and they've they've since updated it. I know they've done new ones in the nineties and the two thousands, but back in I think it's eighty seventy nine eighty eighty one, I think that's when the first one came out, maybe the late seventies. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching, and these guys are screaming at these kids in there that they're taking a tour. They're letting the inmates. Sure, they're inmates. I'm sure they can trust not to hurt these kids, and they they did take a little chance there. But I'm sure they've been cleared. Probably inmates that were participating in this for the for the oh, officials yeah. probably got you know rewarded for it with you know time off for good behavior or something like that they were they had an incentive to do it but they were in these kids faces like you don't want to be in here with me you don't want to cut you don't want to go to jail and be here with me and they were yelling at them obscenities and i'm like well it's pbs and it's a documentary so they're letting it slide you're hearing all the language back in the late 70s on this and when i was watching it i mean i really wasn't even a troubled troubled kid but I watched it, and it, it, it hit me even harder. I'm like, I don't want to wind no. up in jail. Not with that. That's right. terrible. And it was we, aptly uh, named Scared I, Straight. I did. A, I was an adult um, 
I guess, mentor with the youth leadership Bartow, where we had yeah. juniors and seniors that would go through every month we'd meet. And one of our tours is the jail, and they would do that on the back half of the visit. They would have two or three inmates basically come out and tell them their story right. and how they got there. That's a little bit scared straight. That's kind of what they were doing in this and program. The other thing they do is they put all the kids in a cell, everyone oh, like yeah. in this one block we're in, and they go, and this is what you'll hear every night. Clang. And you hear them say, doors, and you hear, and they all, and then, yeah. it's like, and this is where you're going to stay until we decide to open the doors at some point tomorrow. And and this is your view. This is what you, you don't get a window. You don't get to look at the sunshine. Yeah. You don't need to be outside it's, and go anywhere you want. It's, you know, when you're doing it as a tour, you go, oh, it's kind of neat. Then you start thinking, no, it's not. No. Well, you get to leave. We <laughs> Once do it's over, leave. you get to go go away. But, uh, but that yeah. always struck me, especially the stories of these guys that just got, and it's always, the, the, the root is, I just got with the wrong crowd. Yeah, that's man. And I didn't yeah. want to disappoint my buddies. Well, how them. good are your buddies if you're leading a life of crime? Right. And now you have all new buddies. Yeah. In the jail cell, which is terrible. I mean, and the, no one is no one's your friend there. I mean, the the they may act like their friend, but you don't turn your back, you know, because anything can happen. Mm-mm. Not even the the guards aren't your friends. No. <laughs> no one's going to be your friend. That's the part. That's the point of being there. It's not supposed to be pleasant. No. For you. No, we don't want you doing something to go back. But then we have the flip side, which I've heard, which our prisoners get acclimated to being in prison, and they get out. They can't handle the world. It was, it was, it was. They it was, needed um, the structure. It was, it was explored a little bit in the Shawshank Redemption about the old guy that got out that couldn't make it on the outside. Right. So he, uh, he, he killed himself because he couldn't stay. So uh, it's bad. It's bad. I don't know how we got to that. But uh, well, scared straight. We're not going to go down <laughs> the path that puts us in a position where we have no, to deal. No, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. Uh, taking a tour. Is interesting, but no. The first first movie that ever had a big impact on me like that was Escape from Alcatraz with Clint Eastwood. That's the one I saw, and I'm like, man, that's. And I was a kid when I saw it because it came out in like '79, '80, and I'm like, this is. Uh, it's about the same time I saw Scared Straight, so it made me. It scared me. I was already straight. I wasn't going to break any laws, but it scared me worse. It's B. Air. Good teacher. He really seems to care about what I have no idea. Mommy, I want a drink. Mommy, have a glass of juice, please. Mommy, give me some up. I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty. Give me a glass of anything. Wouldn't it be nice if your children could get their own drinks without interrupting you? With a Dixie kitchen dispenser, they can. And your kitchen won't be cluttered with between-meal glasses to wash. Get Dixie, the kitchen cup that lets kids help themselves. And that can be a big help to you. Mommy, I got my own juice. Now, can I have peanut butter sandwich? In Japan, the hand can be used like a knife. But this method doesn't work with a tomato. That's why we use the Ginsu. It's a knife that no kitchen should be without. The Ginsu can cut a slice of bread so thin you can almost see through it. It cuts meat better than an electric knife and goes through frozen food as though it were melted butter. The Ginsu is so sharp it can cut through a tin can and still slice a tomato like this. It can chop wood and still remain razor sharp. What's more, it's a knife that will last forever. You get the Ginsu knife, the matching carving fork, the versatile six-in-one kitchen tool, a set of six steak knives, and the spiral slicer. You get them all, guaranteed in writing for 50 years, for only $9.95. It's the most incredible knife offer ever. Here's how to order. 
Call toll-free 1-800-835-2246 or save COD charges by sending 995 to Gensu, Box 6688, Chicago. You get the Gensu knife, matching carving fork, six-in-one kitchen tools, six steak knives, and spiral slicer. This is the original Gensu, the only knife offer with a 50-year guarantee. Don't accept imitations. Order now. Oh, what a good time I have every Saturday. I'm glad you're out there listening. It's BK on the air. We're back. We're back. WBHF. WBHFradio.org. It is 2022, and as we well know that 1982 was 40 years ago. I have a story here from MeTV. Let's talk a little bit about 1982 was the year of Michael J. Fox, Talking Cars, and a Shatner comeback. What TV shows are turning 40 years old this year? Okay. Do you, you need to steal I yourself know, up for this? I know every one you, of the shows you just referenced. Okay. Then, then you, you know what's coming and some more that you might have forgotten about. Oh, what a year it was. It was 1982. Family. Diet Coke. E.T., the extraterrestrial, Family Ties is 40 years old. What is? Family Ties. Yeah, it's on the list. I think it's on the list. When you said Michael yeah. J. Fox, mm-hmm. it's got to be Family Ties. As, as was the phrase, to throw someone under the bus. No one said that before the year 1982. That, that phrase is that old. Believe it or not. That's where it comes from? That's where it comes was that year. Yeah. G.I. Joe action figures, you know, the smaller ones, hit the toy stores in 1982. Miss Pac-Man chomped her way into the arcades. We know about that. We all know, Alan and I both know 1982, left and right, backwards, diagonally, upside down. And these TV shows all premiered on the small screen, as we said. It was quite a year for entertainment. Uh, Number one, at the movies with Gene Siskel and Roger Roger Ebert. At the movies, that was their show on PBS. It was, it was, it was, it was I used an older to love show. watching that because it was like I was getting a preview of movies, so I could think about what yeah. I want to go see. No, wait a minute. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm mistaken. That was their newer show, premiered in '82. The one they had before on PBS was called a Sneak Previews. Oh, okay. it started out with a different theme song. So I remember seeing them on PBS on Sneak Previews, and then later in '82 they started their show at the movies, which was on for a long time. Who knows what people did with two thumbs up? <laughs> their two thumbs before Siskel and Ebert. Yeah. Ah, but uh, the f- popular film appreciation was changed forever with these two charming, combative Chicago critics. And if you ever get a chance to go on YouTube and look up Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert outtakes behind the scenes <laughs> when they're filming that show, you'll wonder how they ever got along. I don't know how much of it was just for show and they were poking around with each other, but they sound like an abusive married couple when the cameras are off. <laughs> it is the funniest thing. I'm, I'll, if you ever seen it, I'll send a link to you today on your phone. You All can right, watch it. it. It's them just, just going at it. It's so funny. Uh, number two, Cagney and Lacey. If you remember that show. Yep. Loretta Swit from MASH was originally tapped to play Cagney until MASH locked her into her contract. Then Meg Foster was cast as Cagney. Then producers replaced Foster with Sharon Gless, the Cagney that we all know uh, from the Cagney and Lacey TV show. Tyne Daly was there all along. She always played the other character. And here's the crazy stat. For six straight years, one of the two women won the Emmy for Best Lead Actress in a Drama on Cagney and Lacey. That's, That's why they no just alternated. Feat. Yeah. Number three, that bar that everyone likes to go drink. 
Cheers. We still want to go to a place where everyone knows your name, considering how Ted Danson and Woody Harrelson remain A-list actors to this day. Who would ever thought Woody would be the one to go on to decades of prestige, though, after Cheers, after his humble beginnings on the show? I never got to watch Cheers. I saw some of it. I think I came in when Kirstie Alley was on it, and I watched some of those, but I didn't get to see some Cheers of those is a earlier good show. episodes. It's, it's, it's even bingeable to this day. It spun off a few shows, didn't it? it well, Frasier's or, probably its yeah. f- most successful. Right. Uh, number four, Fame. Do you remember Fame? Yeah, Comes based off movie. the movie. The movie Fame did want to live forever as a TV show. Well, it lasted six seasons, not too shabby, and it helped make Janet Jackson a star. It was Fame, by the way. Never got to see that show either. Uh, number five, Alan just mentioned it earlier, Family Ties. The decade of Michael J. Fox. Okay, it technically starred, started with uh, Midnight Madness, a cult comedy that he was in that we were refused to overlook but family ties made an energetic actor into a sensation that really where i think he got his start was and then i think wasn't his first big movie teen wolf wasn't that before back to the future no or was it after i can't remember maybe it was after or was back to the future his first big movie big back to the future was his big film okay because i knew teen wolf was pretty early in the 80s too i think number six who got the driving synthesizer Black Trans Am with the light going back and forth. Night Rider. Night Rider. Talking Pontiac. Course, that's different if you're watching the first Mad Max movie. <laughs> yeah, it's not a Pontiac. I am the Night Rider. It's Rider. not a Pontiac either. Uh, the Talking Pontiac was the coolest thing on TV that year. Now, And that's including uh, Hasselhoff, yeah. The Hasselhoff was in it. But I'm sorry, David. Hasselhoff, the car was cooler than you. <laughs> I have to say that. And it was. Just, I watched Knight Rider. I'm totally guilty of watching it. I thought it was cool as a kid. As a kid, I loved it. it. What else started in 1982 on television? Late Night with David Letterman started. It's 40, he's 40 years ago with his show started, 40 years ago. Another talk show comedy personality that I never cared for. <laughs> I never thought David was that funny. I just, there was something about him. I mean, you can't like everything. Tastes are different with everybody. I never really took up with david letterman never got into him to me i was to me when i watched him interview people on his show i got the idea that he was what was he really paying attention to what they were saying or was he just waiting to talk when he got done when they got yeah, also have you seen how he looks like today uh, he, he could be a manifesto writer for the unabomber he, like, he could in. be a he mountain just, man in the mountains he looks <laughs> like he's got he a looks like a guy like i'm planning to bomb he something. does yeah he looks he's really let the beard grow mm-hmm. what is it about that jim carrey's got a giant beard now too, he got rid of it he, he had okay. it for a while a lot of people get those beards when they get older and when you're old and you have a long gray beard it only adds about 50 years to you so you look right. even 50 years older don't do that Unless you get older and you don't care what other people think, which I'm slowly getting to that, you know, <laughs> to that area. I'm sensing why I'm... that happens. <laughs> oh, you don't like that I wear a T-shirt and jeans all the time? Well, I'm going to do it. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to wear that. Number eight, Bob Newhart. The show Newhart started in 1982, Bob's second TV series. A decade after the Bob Newhart show premiered, Newhart returned with a more interestingly titled sitcom. It was just his last name. Uh, the urban comedy shifted to a rural setting. Well, he was a... He was a um, a psychiatrist in Chicago, I think, mm-hmm. in his first series. Uh, this is in Vermont. Of course, it was all the dream of his, his psychologist that he played, Bob Hartley, from the first show. Because the last episode was him wake, up, wake end, up with Suzanne Flechette at the end. To end Newhart. But that's also where uh, uh, Larry, uh, Bill Sanderson was. This um, Larry is my brother Daryl, yeah, my other brother right. Daryl. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's um, so funny. Two brothers named Daryl. Isn't, isn't, isn't that why you took the name Alan J. Sanders so you wouldn't be confused? No. With that guy? <laughs> no. I just thought that's why you did that. So, And he, with the guy you're talking about, he played in Blade Runner. 
He did. He as also the, was in the, the Civil War drama uh, Andersonville, and one of the nights we were shooting, and I was on the night stunt crew, he missed his mark and ran right over me, landed on top oh. of me, and immediately started apologizing, but the Bud Davis, who was the stunt crew director, goes, no, 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 are you okay? Like, all he cared about was the actor. Never once asked if I was okay. He's the actor. Alan's, Alan's like, well, I know who I like here. But Bill Sanderson was like, I am so sorry. I'm like, wow. totally well, that's apologetic. That's a great professional actor. Then. Thankfully, great. he was shorter than me, and it didn't really hurt. He was shorter than you? He's shorter than Is me. that possible? Hey. Wow. I didn't Listen. Know. Hey, I didn't know. You know. I'm just asking a question. Tom Cruise is shorter I'm than not, me. Well, he's, I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> have you Little seen the guy. Have you seen the new tra- the new uh, poster for Maverick that just came out the Top Gun movie? I know, I didn't see the poster, but I saw the new trailer. Yeah, he's he's it's, Tom's starting to show his age a little bit. I've noticed some little little uh, cracks in the in the in the uh, eventually in the face it there. hits everybody, doesn't so, it? Yeah, oh, it does. I'm well, still waiting. <laughs> are you now? Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you do have the attitude of an actor, too. It sounds like the it. worry lines are there. The worry lines. Yeah, you've got a lot of them. <laughs> They're starting to show up. I'm like, I get oh, up in the morning, look in the mirror, and go, when did those show up? And I'm running out of time. Another show premiered on this day, or oh, not on this day, but in 1982, 40 years ago. Police Squad in color. Leslie Nielsen. Also starring Alan North. And Rex Hamilton as Abraham Lincoln. Tonight's special guest star, Lorne Green. episode, The Broken Promise. Police Squad. Yeah, you remember the Naked Gun movies? That's what they're based on, is Police Squad. That was a funny show. I got it when it came out. No one else got it, but I did. Another show that premiered in 1982, The Powers of Matthew Starr. Do you remember that show with Lou Gossett Jr. and the guy playing the kid who's the alien for another planet? Another sci-fi series that didn't really make it, but uh, got kind of a cult following, and I think it was a Glenn Larson production, too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Remington Steele with Piers Brosnan premiered in 1982, mm-hmm. 40 years ago. The main reason he couldn't take over Bond back in the day. At least that's what Well, because he couldn't get out of the contract yeah, with Remington that. Steele. Uh, because sh- what put him on the radar was playing right. Remington Steele. Like, oh, he'd be a great Bond. Another show that premiered in 1982, 40 years ago, Ripley's Believe It or Not with Jack Palance. Mm. And uh, I think it's his uh, his daughter hosted it with him as well. Another great kind of anthology show that showed all the Believe It or Not stuff. Back on ABC. Silver Spoon, another show, sitcom, premiered in 1982. With Ricky Schroeder and... Uh, it's Rick um, now. Don't that's right, it's Rick. Rick, sorry. And who was also... Erin uh, Gray from Buck Rogers was mm-hmm. his mom in that. That's right, yeah. Yep. So uh, she was easy on the eyes. I always liked uh, Wilma Deering on Buck Rogers. Nothing Aaron wrong Gray. with that. Very nice lady, too. I've met her in person. Good hair. Uh, 70s hair. Square Pegs uh, premiered in 1982. Do you remember the high school sitcom Square Pegs? Nope. Sarah Jessica Parker's first television show she was ever in. It was a TV show about the 80s kids in high school. Merritt Buttrick that played Kirk's son in Star Trek II played, uh, I think his name was Slash in it. He was like the punk rocker. Hmm. He was in that show. <laughs> uh, music acts on the show included The Waitresses and Devo were a part of it. Even Bill Murray wasn't on, on an episode of Square Pegs, believe it or not. I think MeTV or somebody reran that show. Uh, hospital drama, St. Elsewhere. 
premiered in 1982, 40 years ago. I think that was the beginning of the realistic hospital dramas at now, that point. Now, wasn't the doctor like the old statesman doctor? Wasn't he the guy that also was the voice of Kit? For- William Daniels, exactly. Yeah. That was who talked for Kit the car. That's right. Michael. That's right, Michael. Mm-hmm. And also T.J. Hooker, William Shatner's cop show, 1982, premiered. He just took the name of J.T. Kirk and turned it around to T.J. <laughs> Hooker and made him a cop. So T.J. Hooker. A lot of stuff 40 years ago. I remember it all very well. So uh, let's all sign off now and go be old somewhere. <laughs> it's BK on the air with Alan. <laughs> we'll go age another week and we'll come back right. next week. We'll like see you on fine the, wine. On We're the podcast. I believe in the old things, you know. Family, friendship, fairness. That's what this country's all about. Taking it to the edge. Laying it all on the line. I watch your tale. You watch mine. I value human life. Hey, we're all on the same side. T.J. Hooker, he's with you. We're with you on ABC. With you. Goodbye.